Deep beneath the waves of the Sea of Japan, an ancient child emperor and his retinue of samurai drowned themselves rather than be captured by the enemy. Tales tell of their souls binding to the carapaces of tiny crabs dwelling at the bottom of the ocean. With faces as fierce as the samurai they host, the Hekigani are some of the most peculiar looking crabs in the sea. The question is, how much influence do we as humans have in life, death, and taxonomy? Welcome back to Life, Death, and Taxonomy, your 30 minutes of interesting animal info. I'm Joe. And I'm Carlos. And we're going to talk about something spooky today? Some ghosts, maybe? Yeah, this sounds like a Halloween episode, but it's not Halloween. No. Your your, your sp- spooky Easter-ish time <laughs> tale. Springtime ghosts. <laughs> there you go. I, I, we always get to this point, and I'm always like, do we say the name of it? Yes, we do. It's it the the name of the crab is the Hekigani. Hekigani? Sure. I like it that way. Okay. Every time you say it, you have to do it with like the angry Japanese man voice. Gudetama? Like that? Yeah. That means that means like an egg. Is is, a is sad is, egg? Is that the Japanese word for <laughs> sad egg? I don't know. Or is that just the name of the sad egg character? I they think have? it probably means something, but I think it means sad egg. That'd be pretty funny if it I think did. it means sad egg, but I'm not sure. That's so not creative of them. Um, but in this episode, I'm going to be general facts, and you're going to be... Your general info, I'm major facts. I'm... I'm. Who, who am I? You <laughs> Now you outrank me. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so what is the taxonomical breakdown let's of do. the Hekigani? Let's do it. Kingdom... Animalia. Oh, no, man. it's still animalia. I was going to say fungi. <laughs> uh, phylum Arthropoda. Class Malacostaca. I think there's an R there. Castraca. Malacostraca. Wow. Did you not put the R in? I didn't. Oh, no? No. I, I, my, my notes are written as well, so it may or may not be there. That sounds better. Doesn't it? Yeah. Okay. Uh, order Decapoda. Uh, family Dropidae? Dropidae? Doripidae? Oh, yeah, Doripidae. I practiced these, then I forgot them. (laughs) Genus, Hykaeopsis. Okay. And the species is Japonica, or Japonisa. It's probably a hard C. Probably a hard C. Japonica? I don't know. Like the Sea of Japan. Japonica? Um, So your binomial nomenclature will be Hykaeopsis, Japonica. Hikeopsis, Japonica. Yes, yeah. That's the latest crazy in anime. Sayonara. <laughs> and I just leave. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's the end. That's the last episode. So what can you tell us about these? Uh, this particular crab? Well, it's a crab that lives in the Sea of Japan. Okay. Uh, it likes to crawl on the, around uh, on the bottoms and on the rocks and like what it does what crabs do. But I think it's important for the viewer to know, the viewer of the screen... That's that's displaying all the audio. <laughs> it's important for them to know how this animal measures up. Oh, we're just leaping into this. Oh yeah, this segment. Oh yeah. All right, so we're we're measuring up. Okay, so this is a crab. Wow me. With a width of about uh, fifteen strands of spaghetti are thick. So you've got some strands of spaghetti. <laughs> oh my gosh! Did you pick the weirdest ones? <laughs> So you got strands of spaghetti, and it's not the length Co- of the spaghetti. Cooked or uncooked? Cooked. 
I'm not a monster. So then it has a little bit more, like, girth. Yeah. Okay. And then about 20 grains of sand. It weighs as much as 20 grains. Oh, no, no, no. It's the width of 20 oh, grains I see. of sand. You'd think... Don't... I think about sand as being way smaller than that. So basically, the it's the width of its carapace, which is the shell. It's the body, not including the legs. The width of it hold is on, about... On. Did you just say carapace? I was saying... I was putting a little mustard on it. Okay. Carapace. <laughs> Get that mustard off was, of my carapace. I was doing some Carl Sagan things and saying weird words. Do you, like, usually dip crabs into mustard? <laughs> that sounds like something you shouldn't do. I don't think so. Honestly, in my opinion, don't eat crabs. It's disgusting. Really? It's just a repository for butter. I like crab. No way. I like crab bisque. You you like crab imitation crab probably. No, I went to the crab shack <laughs> and I liked it there. Okay. I'm sorry, the crab shack, one of the finest establishments. It is pretty nice. It's called a shack. So so is the love shack. I don't want to go in there either. <laughs> um that's all I got on its size. There was not a lot of information. Wait, so Crabs did you say how many how long it actually is? An inch. One inch. It's carapace? Yeah. Or carapace? Yeah. Not including its legs. Not including its legs. Okay. That's a really small crab. It's pretty small. Yeah. There, there's smaller ones like hermit crabs. Sometimes hermit crabs can be pretty big. They can be. That's the thing about crabs is that they can grow. They're, they're, they range in size a lot. Okay. Yeah. Um, but this is probably on the lower end of the crab size spectrum. Yeah. In like if you go to the Keys and you look. And you're like kayaking through mangroves and stuff, and you see those crabs in the trees. Those are pretty small ones. Those are fiddler crabs, and they can get to be about like the size of your thumb. So that's that's more than that's smaller than than what we're talking about here. No, your whole thumb from the tip to like oh, the, oh, oh, oh. to I your you meant like just the no. Then that would be an inch. Yeah, and then yeah. that's that. There we have the hegigani. Yeah. Okay, that makes sense. Okay, so speaking of carapaces, let's talk a little bit about what a carapace is. <laughs> it's like when Sagan says human. It's like great. <laughs> Carapace. Sorry. <laughs> like instead of vase, it's vase. Carapace. <laughs> um, a carapace is like the shell that is found on crustaceans. Crustaceans for the plebeians. You're just all over the place. Sp- for the plebeians? <laughs> <laughs> Spiders, uh, arachnids, um, and turtles. Did you know that? Turtle shells can be considered a carapace. That makes sense. Because they can't leave it. Right. So it's kind of just like a hard shell that's part of their body. It's not like a a snail shell. Right. So it's a, yeah, a protective cover over their squishy bits, typically in the middle of their bodies. In crustaceans, it protects the thorax, which is where I think organs live, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, like not pretty in, much everything lives there I, in a crab I, except for the legs. I think most of the organs in like a spider live in the abdomen because yeah. they don't have a thorax. Right. Carapaces. Did you say crustaceans? Yeah, I'm talking about crustaceans. Yeah, I have no idea why I brought up spiders. <laughs> well, I did say arachnids have a carapace. Okay. Um, so what is it made of, you think? It's probably what? Steel. Steel, maybe like keratin, like a rhino horn. No. It's made of something called chitin. Oh, yeah. Uh, It's calcified chitin, which is also found in fungi cell walls, 
squid beaks. Okay. Cephalopod beaks. Also thought that was keratin. No. Until just now. Uh, and fish scales are all made all, of this. All fish scales? That's what I found. Yeah, chitin. And in crabs, it's more, it's heavily calcified. Okay. So when you add calcium, whatever the heck, chemistry, into the chitin. Put some calcium. Add just a, pour some milk onto it. Add, add a dash of chemistry. If you, if you. <laughs> Basically, what throw I'm that saying, on a crab. If you pour milk on a fish, it turns into a crab. Okay, <laughs> not really. Um, <laughs> but if you if it mineralizes, if you mineralize chitin, it becomes hard like a crab shell. Kind of like the mineralization on the fists, the flying fists of the indomitable mantis shrimp. Yeah, you know what? I wouldn't be surprised if that's also chitin. Okay, it probably has a carapace. It is an arthropod. Yeah, it definitely has one. <laughs> <laughs> is is that a, like kind of being an arthropod de- by definition sets you apart? You have a you have a carapace, carapazio. No, because arachnids have it, and also turtles. They're arthropods. No, oh, yeah, you're right. Turtles. Are not, <laughs> turtles are not. <laughs> arachnids are. So it's kind of a blanket term. You know what else is a blanket term? Rostrum. Rostrum is basically any protruding facial feature on an animal. It's like this huge term in the animal kingdom. Okay. So a rostrum can be anything from... It's not just a mix between Ross and a Nordstrom rack. Wow. Rostrum rack. (laughs) It's like the Taco Bell and KFC of retail shopping. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Anyway. uh, Or no, a rostrum is like a lot of fish have it, like the, the sawfish... You know? Okay. That's a rostrum. I know that, like, the rostral part of an animal is, like, their head part. Yeah. So, um, it's like a plane. Like, the, a bottlenose dolphin uh-huh. kind of a, has a rostrum. Um, so, not all animals have rostrae. Uh, no. It, I mean, it's a, it's, a, it's a large, like, overarching term that describes things that are not related at all. So, your average, like, smash face fancy cat doesn't have a rostrum. I don't... I don't think you could pit. You can't accuse any smash face fancy cat of having a rostrum. Of having a rostrum, but what you can have, what can have a rostrum is, um, like stuff like lobsters and crabs and other crustaceans, and it comes right off the carapace. So, the carapace will come to some kind of point or ridge or shelf that covers and protects the eyes. Like a hull. Comes, <laughs> they have like a ship's hull on yeah, their face. Yeah. So that's a rostrum. So okay. when you look at a, ro- uh, a lobster and think, wow, that part in the front looks pointy. I wouldn't want to touch that. That's a rostrum. And the the ghost crab, the, um, the, ja- he- the samurai crab. The hekagani. Yeah, hekagani. Hekagani. doesn't really have a, a very long pointy one, but it does have, its carapace does come to like a ridge. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it has spines or spikes on it. So it's like a hat. Yeah, it's spiky, it's, it's exactly hat. like a, like a baseball cap. Okay. Only it's the the rest of the cap is its entire body. Okay. Does it use this uh, rostrum to like to like push its face into things and hurt them? Nope. It just protects it from stuff getting in its eyes. All right. It's like well, eyebrows. Do, do, don't its eyes like come out on stalks? But like, if it runs into something or bumps into something, it's not going to have like eye explosions. Oh, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> number one on the to avoid list 
Let's talk about limbs. All We've right. talked a lot about the carapace. Let's talk about the other thing. Let's give, you know, shine some light on the rest of the body. And the limbs. And that's pretty much just limbs. <laughs> uh, it's just two things. Yeah. So they have two sets of legs, two short and two long, typically. So if you if you just like have a cursory glance at one of these guys, you might say, well, it only has four legs. But nah, it's a regular crab. It's got eight. It should have ten. Like a right? respectable. Well, I'm not including the claws yet. Okay, because uh, it's definitely in order decapoda, which implies that it has ten. Yeah, I'm talking feet. about them walking legs. <laughs> None of them pinching legs. You <laughs> don't give me them pinching legs. <laughs> so it's got and, and like. And it's one after the other. So you got a short one, and you got a long one, and you got a short one, and you got a long one. Okay. And it looks funny to me. Why? Did you find out why? No. No. <laughs> Couldn't find anything out about it. Now we can talk about the crab. The crab claw. Did you know crab claw is actually called Aquila? Aquila is what it's called. It's not Aquila and the B. C H E L A. Kela, Kela, yeah, sure. I looked at the pronunciation and it says Kela. All right. Uh, or Kele. Is the plural. Okay. And now you know everything that there is to know about the the, the, the Haikigani crab. And there's nothing interesting or weird about it. End of episode. Oh, you're being coy. Oh, I'm being a coy. Covered in chitin. <laughs> <laughs> then you know that's a joke in the, uh, like, marine biologist world. <laughs> what? Wow. So, is there something interesting about it? Let me spin you a tail. Oh, okay. Spin you a yarn. The tail of the hickey. Not the hickey. Kids. (laughs) The hickey. Also known in in Japanese as the hickey monogatari, which is a medieval Japanese epic poem. It was written probably around 1190 to like 1221 Anno Domini, the year of our Lord. And so it's kind of like the Japanese version of the Iliad, except way less ancient. Um, and it kind of details this like whole rise and fall of uh, an empire, which and is a this real hero. War. Yeah, it's it is based off like real events, but obviously with a lot of supernatural elements woven throughout, like the Iliad. Okay. So <laughs> I read that the definitive version of this poem, the one that we have today, was recited by memory by a blind priest in 1371 and recorded by his disciple. So, I don't know what he used to say. <laughs> he made it up. <laughs> but it, it, this is what we've got. Like I said, like we said, it's based on the real-life war between um, the Taira, which is the Heki. In the the poem, it's called they're called the Heki, but in real life, they're the Taira. What are they? They're the family. Okay. Um, and then the other family is the Minamoto, but in the poem, they're called the Genji. Okay. So this is like the uh, uh, the Capulets and the... Romulans. Romulans. <laughs> <laughs> I was literally about to say Romulans, too. Um, no idea what the... It's Capulets and the Montagues. other one. Montagues. Montagues. <laughs> Why Romulans? That's not even close. <laughs> Why do we both think about Romulans? I have no... Megan would be so upset. Yeah, she would. So disappointed. <laughs> Romulus and Remus, I guess? Maybe. Um, anyway, so you have these two families that have been fighting, and it actually like split the country in civil war back in the ancient times. And so the Heke 
uh, were defeated in naval combat. And the Heke Emperor, which was a seven-year-old child, rather than face defeat, he and his samurai drowned themselves, which in ancient times, the average person could not swim. They didn't have pools. So drowning yourself meant jumping into the ocean and then just waiting to drown. So that's the that, that's what happens in the story. I'm not sure if it happens in real life. Seems like such a bad decision. To drown yourself? Like as opposed to something else. Well, the as you know... The Japanese were not big on being captured. Oh, no, no, no. I mean, like, like... Oh, like uh, seppuku? Yeah. There was, in, in the poem, I, I read a section, and I didn't write it down here, but they're, like, longing for this kingdom under the sea. So they're ah. actually, like, wanting to be transported to the spiritual realm that lies beneath the ocean. Under the sea will be our capital. Yeah, something like that. It's from that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um... Or something like that. So with this story in mind, there's obviously with the... Under uh, the sea. <laughs> Japan, you, had to, you had to sing that. I had to. With the Japanese-like uh, mythology, souls need to be attached to corporeal objects to be transferred from one realm to the next. Um, so what else to transfer to but the creatures living in the sea? So the interesting thing about these crabs we've been talking about, the Hekigani, is that their character Pisses. Carapai. <laughs> Carapum. I'll have some pie if you're giving it up. No, later. Oh, okay. Um, and th- so their their carapaces look very similar to angry Japanese samurai masks. Mm-hmm. So you picture a samurai mask with, like, the fierce eyes and the tusks and the crazy, like, wide, like, grimace. Yeah. And um, it, like, it's, you know, supposed to instill fear in their enemies. Well, if you look at this crab, like, type in Hekigani, H-E-I-K-E-G-A-N-I. Or just <clears throat> samurai crab. Or, yeah, samurai crab. Um, because there's been, like, a lot of, like, tattoos and art based on this. But, yeah, it looks just like it. Very detailed. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't look much like a human face as much as it looks like this, like, demon, samurai demon face. But it's remarkable. And um, there are some views for why this happened um what's the what's the the japanese mythological view is that the um the emperor and his retinue of samurai their souls lost in the sea were uh, bound to these crabs Mm -hmm. so it they're like a point of reverence you don't want to eat or kill these crabs and that'll come in later so that's why they look like that nowadays there are two opposing views for why the crabs look like this one view proposed by Mr. Sagan himself, as we've been, uh, oh, Carl, making, I guess, making fun of his accent <laughs> of u- humans yeah. and carapace. Um, <laughs> well, he didn't say that, did he? I think he, yeah, he said carapace. Oh, okay. So his, his, uh, the, th- the theory that he postulated on episode two of Cosmos is that Japanese fishermen f- from like, you know, whatever, 1371 to very recently, whenever they would catch one of these crabs that looked a lot like a samurai mask, they would throw it back in reverence. If they caught a crab that was that did not look much like a samurai, they would kill and eat it. So over the course over like centuries of doing this, you would eventually have crabs that only the only surviving crabs would be the ones that look like samurai. Those would be the ones that would be thrown back so that they could have more little like samurai ghost crab babies mm-hmm. um, that look just like them, and then the ones that 
you know, don't look as much like samurai would be eaten and not be able to reproduce it's the process of natural selection for right. like small adaptations. So that's, it's, it's like some people will call it artificial selection, but you know, we're part of nature. So it would be ultimately natural selection. Uh, a, we, a predator are predating upon a certain species and favoring eating certain things. Yeah. Favoring one genetic trait over another. Hence the one genetic trait becomes the dominant trait in the species. Um, just like a butterfly with those spots that look like eyes, you know? Yeah. It looks like a scary face to a, to perhaps a predator. And then they won't eat that because it's like, that's a scary face looking at me. I'm going to walk away. And I'm going to eat the one that doesn't look like a scary face. Right. And so now there are only butterflies with scary faces. Right. Scary face, scary face, scary face. <laughs> um, so that's Sagan's view. Uh, he's no longer around to defend it, but now we have people like... Joel W. Martin, who postulate a different view. They think that we are, well, Joel thinks that we are simply wired to see human faces in things like trees and toast and Doritos and clouds. Which is probably true, like the man in the moon. Yeah. And which makes sense because, you know, it helps to be able to recognize someone's face quickly and uh, analyze it for like emotional cues and um, things like that. So... Yeah, I can see there's a word for it that I didn't end up finding. Um, but that's the just the phenomenon of being of recognizing a, a human face before you recognize other objects. Mm-hmm. So the fact that these that we see a face in these grabs is purely coincidence, according to Joel. And here's the what he uses to back this up. The first thing is that, like you said, these grabs are one inch long. So with their carapace. So you crack this open and you're going to get like, a spoon. A half a thimble of meat. <laughs> so how many crabs are you going to have to like painstakingly crack open and kill to eat, a fi- to, like to get a, f- a meal? Like a full seafood and crab sub sandwich from Subway. Yeah, probably like... 15. Yeah, a lot of crabs. <laughs> um, so it's like, it's not really worth it to get the food out. And even now, like they're not really a food source. So they may have been sometime in the past, but there's no real evidence of them being a, a food source. So that's a pretty strong argument. The other strong argument is, which I think is the strongest argument, is the fact that other crabs look other crabs in the family Doripidae look like samurai, and they don't live near Japan. Ah. So you have the family Doripidae. We're talking about the genus Hycheopsis and the species uh, Japonica, but the the genus Doripodes. Mm-hmm. something different so Doripidae and Doripidase. Um they live near Singapore and then there's another one Paradoripae and don't quote me on this I couldn't find where they live the closest thing was like maybe Russia so um, not close to Japan at least the Singapore thing is right <laughs> <laughs> and they obviously in, in Indonesia they at least in the medieval times didn't have the Heke Monogatari but, you know, ghosts can travel pretty far in an ocean current. That's true. <laughs> if they took the East Australian current, they could be in Singapore in no time, <laughs> especially in the spirit world. So I kind of have to, at first I'm like, man, this, this, this theory of Sagan's fits perfectly. It sounds mm-hmm. so good. But then, like, the fact that they're not used as food and it makes sense that they wouldn't be used as food. And then also the fact that you can see, like, pretty much the entire family Doripidae, they look like faces. Some of them look more like Darth Maul faces. Um, I mean, I've seen some of the other ones, and they don't look as much like... I think you should look at um, 
Paradurabe. They look that looks. It looks like you're looking ex- at the Hekigani crap. Oh, okay. It looks just like another samurai mask. So, yeah. I'm, I like the ocean currents. <laughs> the ocean theory. currents taking the, the souls of the drowned samurai. Or are you looking it up? <laughs> I was going to, but I can't remember what you said. Uh, you can look it up I'll later. listen back. T- take my word for it. The These other crabs look very similar. Also like uh, samurai. So... I leave it up to you, to me, Joe, and the and the listener, to decide uh, which theory you think is correct. Because this is so ancient, it's kind of hard to tell. Personally, I think it's a little bit of both. Yeah, I can see it being that. You know, the maybe they look even more so like the exact art, the exact art, man. Like, but look at all the you other ones. You put them side by side, they're a hundred percent. If you, <laughs> if you hundred percent match, facial recognition, zoom, zoom in, enhance. What if <laughs> is that a Blade Runner reference? <laughs> um, I just thought of this, so I'm just like spitballing, spitballing. But what if the samurai modeled their masks after these crabs? <laughs> Fair point. It was in like. 1190 so so what if they were like that's a scary face <laughs> yeah it's like I, I would like to model my they even have like the mouths with like the teeth coming out they're like little vestigial legs coming up their butts that yeah it's just and, like and honestly it's actually the front that's the front yeah that part is the like little he- like the little uh baseball cap i can't part. tell which one's the front because <laughs> their their claws look so much like regular legs they don't have like well-defined big pincers like yeah. other crabs do yeah those that part of the mask the mouth the weird teeth doesn't really make sense anatomically that's their face you said like in in the art oh no like the teeth you want big teeth to be like but they're scary. not big sharp teeth they're like round they have tusks sometimes oh, they have okay. like these sharp tusks oh and i forgot to mention also that these the lines that kind of make up the face that you see on the carapace match up with the, they're not just vestigial. They're not just um, decorative, like a butterfly's the eyes on a butterfly. Um, they're they're part of like the joints and muscle movement of the crab itself. Okay. That's why all the crabs in this genus kind of have those lines. And then, like I've seen crabs in other um, genera, like blue crabs and stuff. They have lines on it, and doesn't look anything like a samurai mask. But the general, like like the hourglass shape. Oh, the hourglass lines um, on either side, the symmetrical ones, they're there. And then just on the Hekigani, you, you have the hourglass lines kind of have like end in eyes and, and have like the mouth. But it's it's part of like how crabs move. Right. <laughs> and how their legs are all attached to this like central joint mechanism. So the fact that it plays like a practical role in the crab's existence, the fact that, yeah, the crab is not really that great for eating especially when you don't have like fancy machinery to actually extract the meat you have to do it by like samurai sword (laughs) (laughs) and um, the fact that other crabs around the world share the same face tells me I have to agree with Mr. Martin here and uh, not Mr. Sagan well I'm still subscribing to the ghost currents idea but I still it's it's so cool and plus you've seen like you can see tattoos of like like these crazy samurai faces on crabs crabs and like fighting and stuff like that but um so that's the samurai ghost crab the hekigani mm-hmm. and whether you are uh eating crabs or throwing them back into the ocean based on uh superstitious soul beliefs it's all part of life death and taxonomy mm-hmm.
Whoa, that thing almost killed us. Yeah. Who knew you couldn't use your newfound ghost samurai crab skills to fight an orangutan? If only there was a show. No, no, no. I'm I'm not doing the promo. C come on. We gotta. Wait. What was that in the bushes? Oh no. Not again. Decapod stance! That didn't work the last time. Oh, hey guys. Ah! Oh, hey Rhett. Fellow podcaster and host of the Brain Trust Brothers podcast and the Brain Trust Brothers Network. What brings you to our nightmare? Well, I saw you guys were in your run-of-the-mill deadly orangutan chase and thought you might need a hand. My podcast network's been living in these parts for a while and can help you out with your primate problem. Oh yeah? How's that? Join the tribe. We can offer you protection and loads of great networking opportunities. Sounds like a promising way to avoid ape pummeling. Nice. I gotta go, but the next time that you need help, give me a shout. Wait, where can we find you? You can find us on BrainTrustBros.com, and there you will see a list of all of our shows from literature to sports murder mysteries. Okay, cool. Remember. Uh, got it, great. Remember. Oh, okay, we will. Remember. He's gone. Am I still feeling the effects of that snake venom, or did he just float away in a giant cumulonimbus cloud? Yeah, man. He Mufasa'd the heck out of here. So does that mean life, death, and taxonomy is in the Braintrust Brothers network now? Yeah, and you can find all of our episodes at BraintrustBros.com. And should the listeners stay tuned for more cool things in the near future? Yes, they should. Now let's get out of here before that great big Bornean comes back. This podcast is brought to you in part by the Brain Trust Brothers Network. For more information about this podcast or others, visit braintrustbros.com.